This week on Rafi Reviews, Rafi Reviews Loki Season 2. Or maybe I reviewed it in the past. I don't freaking know. Alright, um, I feel like I say this every time. I'm gonna try to make this short. Um, I don't know if I had too much to say about this, this season. So yeah, it's Loki Season 2. It's the first MCU show to get a Season 2. Um... I would say even though Loki wasn't the first MCU Disney Plus show, it's kind of like the show. I would say it's the forerunner. I know it's not WandaVision, but Loki was the one that had like, I don't know. The fact that Loki had been in the MCU since Avengers, like the first one, made me consider this like like the front the front face of like what Disney Plus is doing with MCU characters, I guess. Um but yeah, uh, I'm going to give this a grade, so if you don't want to be spoiled, you can know what I think uh, without anything be, being spoiled. But we're going to talk about the cast, some notes, and the future, which, you know, I'm sure there's a time travel pun I could make, but just bringing up the connection should be enough. Um, my grade for Loki Season 2 is, it's really up to you. You know, it, if you... If you had watched season one, then yeah, you probably do want to check out season two. You know, it, it ended on a cliffhanger, season one, so you might as well finish it. Um, but yeah, it's really up to you exactly how how important it is to see this season. I think there's a lot of good things about this season, um, but I also think it's sort of inconsequential in some ways. Um, I'm sure in the long term, it's going to be important to have the information here, but... Uh, I'm really not sure at the moment. So I can only say that it's it's up to you. If you want to watch kind of a trippy, confusing show, but one that is well-performed, then yeah, I would suggest season two of Loki. But we're going to talk about the cast, notes, the future, all that stuff. Um, we'll start with Owen Wilson as Mobius, returning from season one, obviously. Um, I want to briefly talk about this because like i only knew owen wilson as a comedy actor um up until like loki season one and i think between season one and two it really shows uh just how good of an actor owen wilson is and the kind of range he has that uh i really had never noticed um i don't know if he's done movies that aren't considered comedies um i'm i'm eager to you know check that kind of, kind of thing out but um yeah, no, he the, the scenes in here where it's it's not very funny and it's more of just uh, a character piece or him, you know, doing drama, basically. Uh, it's very good. Owen Wilson is an incredible actor, and I'm glad I got to discover that in this season. They do a lot with Mobius in terms of, you know, him exploring different avenues of his life, uh, what he could have had, who he is now, his philosophy. It's all very good, and they kind of keep up the... The theme, not even theme, I guess, the element of the first season where Mobius becomes almost a mentor to Loki. The two of them are friends, and, and that's carried through here, and it's carried through all into the very end of the season. And it's very nice. Um, on the opposite side of the spectrum, at least for me, is uh, Sophia Martino, who plays Sylvie. Um, I do want to make this distinction. 
I have nothing against this actress. I'm sure she's a wonderful person. I know in season one, they did a lot of that stuff while she was pregnant. Uh, and she puts in an incredible performance in both seasons. Uh, and that part is great. I did not like Sylvie in season one. Uh, and the things I didn't like about Sylvie in season one are only exacerbated in season two. And it's kind of a catch-22 because I know the point is that you're not supposed to like Sylvie or that you're supposed to kind of forgive Sylvie based on her life experiences. Uh, you know, it's just like the main crux of these six episodes is this device is going to explode and when it does, all of reality is going to become undone. And Sylvie, because she has a stick up her butt about the TVA and what they do, basically doesn't care if the machine blows up, doesn't care at the possibility of the universe imploding and, and all of reality falling apart. All of that is just empty noise to her. It's just blank static. Um, she has found a place in the sacred timeline where she can just chill out and work at a McDonald's and have a life and have friends, and that's great. But she would sooner let the TVA burn and let all of the multiverses fall apart, including their own, than, you know, try to help. And it's like, the thing about Sylvie, especially in season one, but still here in season two, is that, like, because she's a Loki variant. So it's supposed to be that what they have in common are the elements that make them Lokis. You know, they're arrogant um, you know, they're, they're selfish and they often underestimate their, their opponents or they, they hype themselves up too high, right? They think too highly of themselves, but really it's because they're insecure about themselves. But like those elements on Loki are fine because most of the time in the time that we spent with Loki, this character, um, he gets his comeuppance like over and over Either it's through the Hulk, or it's through Thor, or it's through, like, Valkyrie, or the Grandmaster. Like, literally anybody, or Thanos, right? Anybody will give Thanos, or I'm sorry, not Thanos. Everybody gives Loki his his just desserts, right? When Doctor Strange puts him in that infinite loop where he's falling for half an hour. Um, or, again, like, when he's having an argument with the Hulk and he just gets smashed. Or when he's having an argument with... Um, with Iron Man, just like a mere mortal. And Iron Man is not backing down to Loki, no matter how powerful or how much of an army he has. Like, like consistently, every time Loki has tried to lean into being this stubborn asshole who wants to get his way, he always gets his ass kicked. And that doesn't happen to Sylvie. She's always on the run in season one. But she never gets, uh, you know, there's never karma for the things that she does, right? And in this season, they almost do that. They almost give you that, where, like, um, she refuses to help, she refuses to help Loki, things start going wrong, and Loki goes to her, and he's like, we, we need to get everyone back together, so we can go fix the machine and we can fix this. Otherwise, otherwise the, the, the multiverse is going to come apart. 
uh, every timeline's gonna come apart. And she's like, you know what, Loki, you're just selfish, right? Because you, you're not trying to save the multiverse because it's the right thing to do. You're trying to save the multiverse because you want to have friends and you don't want to be alone. And that makes you selfish. So why don't you just let everyone live their lives? And Loki, because he's a stupid, horny idiot, is like, oh, maybe she's right. Oh, I guess she's right. I'll go back to my friends and tell them, uh, jigs up, uh, you can all go home. We actually don't need to save the multiverse. I'm actually being selfish, actually. Actually, yeah. And then Sylvie, fucking smile on her face, pep in her step, goes to her favorite record store, goes in the back to listen to some music, and then fucking the record store starts turning into string because time is becoming undone. And all she can do is is just regret it. Actually, I think she opens a portal and, and runs off and, and goes to... But she goes to Loki and she's like, you're right, Loki. Actually, things are falling apart. Like, yeah, stupid idiot. And because this show is about time travel and the multiverse and, and timelines coming apart, there's never a minute to breathe with that. You never get to see Sylvie grow or develop and realize, oh shit, actually, the TVA is kind of uh, substantial to the survival of the entire reality that I exist in. Maybe I shouldn't have been a dickhead, and maybe I should have listened when Loki came asking for help. You don't get that. The most you get is at the end, where she's just like, oh, I guess the, D- the TVA can exist, and then she wanders off. And, and the thing is, right... Loki has to make a sacrifice. She gets to go back to fucking McDonald's. She gets to go back to the sacred timeline. She gets to go back to ignoring the TVA. And she just gets the parts of this that she wanted. Without learning or reflecting on anything that had happened. And like, I I get it. The show is about Loki. It's not about her. I get that she is a Loki. So it's not like she's going to change overnight. Maybe if you showed her, I don't know, uh, a film loop of Thanos snapping her neck and like a video of her mom dying, then I guess that would change her character completely because that's how season one of Loki worked. Anyway, I still don't like Sylvie. I know that's the point. Um, but it, it's, it's just like the show isn't long enough to have Sylvie develop as a character. Throughout the whole thing, she kind of just feels stuck in that way of of being stubborn and being nihilistic and and saying that, you know... And, like, here's the thing. You're dealing a show... You're dealing with a a show and a premise where everyone in this organization is a kidnapped, brainwashed person plucked from time. Right? They belong somewhere else and they just don't know that they belong there. And this show, because it's you know, about gods and it's about, you know, where we kind of belong and it, it's about choice. It's about free will. Again, very, you know, biblical things to be talking about in this kind of show. You know, these people, they should have a choice of if they go back to the regular lives or if they stick with the TVA. And, and like, that's an interesting hook. And a character that believes in that or believes that these people deserve to go back to their lives and they shouldn't be enslaved by their work again an interesting angle that can that can be good that can go well and some of the stuff that sylvie says it's it's not wrong you know but it's just the fact that you have a character that's very stuck in that opinion and stuck in those ways 
but you never hear them admit I was wrong about certain parts. You never see them, you know, bend on certain certain parts of their belief. Like, you see them, like, you see bad things happen. And without saying anything, they go along with the plan of the person that they, they disagreed with. But going along with it just tells you that, oh, this person just doesn't want to die. You know, it doesn't tell you that, like, they've learned anything from their experience. And, again, the last thing I want is for there to be a Loki season three, and it's, like, from her perspective. I, I shouldn't, I, we shouldn't get a whole another season of this show that's just about this Loki coming around and becoming a good guy, you know? But, yeah, man, I... I, there's a lot of stuff about Sylvia I just I I could never bring myself to like, um, which sucks because again the actress is really good, her performance is really good, and I don't know man I, when it comes to variants and stuff I'm way more into the idea that variants don't need to look like each other to be variants of each other and I and Sylvia carries that idea so, that's how I feel about that, um, getting to some of the new characters here we have K Hu Quan. As Ouroboros, or Obi, as people call him. Uh, I believe this actor was recently in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once? <laughs> I don't know what the title was called. Um, it's it's an A24 multiverse movie. Um, I know him from Indiana Jones. Right? <laughs> I know him from that. He's great in this. Again, like... Another thing where it's like the actor seems really cool, the character is really great, and the way that they use the character is also really great. Um, just like a earnest, charming, really silly character. Um, I love that even in the TVA, there are like these deep pockets where there's just one dude working there. And like, who, like, it's like you never think about. Who is carrying your mail, I guess, you know, or who is sorting your mail? You you never think about, you know, I'm trying to think of another good example. You, you never think about who is sorting, like, I don't know, the cans that you get from vending machines. I don't know. That's what I mean, though, is like you never think about the the little guy tucked in the corner who who was almost instrumental in what goes on in your day-to-day life that you don't even think about or notice. Um, but yeah, Obi, Obi is great. Um, he gets along with the rest of the cast super well. I really like his his, his friendship with, uh, I think the character's name is Casey. Um, and yeah, I'm really, I'm really cool. Uh, blah. <laughs> I'm really, I don't know. I like this character. I was going to say I'm excited to see him again, but I don't know if we'll... I don't know what the next TVA thing is going to be. So what would be pretty dope is if, because like in this, in the show, he published like the TVA guidebook. It would be dope if they actually published that, right? Because in Ant-Man Quantumania, Scott Lang had written a book. And in the real world, they published that book as if it was written from Scott's perspective in the MCU. It would be awesome if OB's TVA guideline book came out and like, I can see it being very hard to understand, but still, it'd be pretty neat. Or at least, like, oh, man, like, give me... I should do a whole show where I talk about, like, marketing that I'd be totally into. But, like, 
give me the TVA guidebook, but it's a notebook. That would be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, Obi's a lot of fun. I like his, um, his sacred timeline version is like a science fiction writer who's just trying to get his book off the ground. That's very relatable to me right now, personally. So I love that. Um, yeah, just a super fun character. Um, glad he was brought in. Next, I want to briefly talk about uh, Raphael Casal as Hunter X5, who also goes by the name Brad Wolf when he's on the Sacred Timeline. Um, this character is a TVA hunter character. Hunter character. Literally, he's just a hunter. That is his job. Um, but supposedly he goes undercover on the secret timeline and gets way too into his role as an actor during, I want to say like the 60s maybe? 80s? They don't know. It's probably the 80s. Um, but yeah, he, he's fine. He, he plays like a minor villain role in this. And I think that his back and forth with Loki, uh, sort of early, mid in the season is pretty good. And a lot of the scenes where Loki's going after him and stuff, those scenes are really good too. Um, yeah, he's fine. Again, he's, he's a, a traitorous TVA member. He doesn't make wrong points about, you know... He, he has a stance very similar to Sylvie's, which, you know, it could have led down a lot of different avenues story-wise. As it stands, I'm not unhappy with the way that they did his story. But... I just thought I'd mention him because I think uh, in terms of the villains of the season, he, he does a really good job. There's also a returning character here, Gugu Mbatha-Ra, plays Ravona Renslayer. This is another one of those characters where it's like, God, they are just going to... Like, like you know this character is going to stick around, and you know that, you're, that you dislike them. Uh, and, th and those two elements are like dependent on each other like she is going to stick around because i don't like her and i don't like her because she just sticks around but uh renslayer used to be in charge of the tba to some degree uh in this despite knowing what she knows about what the tba secrets are she still thinks that she can regain control and and set everything back right um a character who's just desperate to, like, gain back control is already pretty good backing for a villain character. Her working alongside with this, with like Miss Minutes is really good there. Them playing off each other is really good, especially when uh, Timely shows up into the plot. But she... Um, again, they kind of hint that there's more to, more to do with her later. But... Again, she's okay. You know, it's one of those things where, like, I, like, this, Loki Season 2 is more about solving a problem than it is defeating a bad guy, even though the problem is kind of tied to the bad guy. If anything, the season starts like, oh, we're gonna go confront this bad guy, but really it's more about fixing this problem, because it will lead to the bad guy being a factor, I guess. Um... But yeah, Renslayer's fine. <laughs> She's a good villain. Uh, Taurus, uh, Tara Strong voices Miss Minutes uh, yet again this season. They do a bit more with Miss Minutes. They give you a bit more background on like 
her creation and her relationship to he who remains in a sort of uh, stalkerish monster AI program sort of way. And uh, Tara Stromas had fun with this because she, she get Miss Minutes gets to emote in a lot bigger ways. Um, she gets to turn into a giant scary ghost and scare all these townspeople. It's uh, it's fun. It's fun. I would have liked if Miss Minutes um, was a bit, I don't know. I was going to say a bit bigger and had more to do, but I think the season was kind of stuffed already. Um, but I do think they, they do keep Miss Minutes. They kind of reset her by the end. So we'll see what becomes of her in the future. And then we have Jonathan Majors as Victor Timely and He Who Remains. Uh, so Jonathan Majors plays Kang in Quantumanium and therefore all the variants of Kang. There is some talk about him uh, getting some domestic legal trouble. So we don't know what's going to become of Kang going forward. I'm of the mind that they should just, like going forward, doing Kang and stuff, either have him wear a mask or just recast him. Because you've already established that variants don't need to actually look like each other to be variants of each other. That's just my thinking. I know that there needs to be a long explanation as to why Kang looks different. But the point is, because it's Majors playing Kang, he, he plays many versions of Kang. And in season two of Loki, uh, he plays Victor Timely, who's like a, I don't know, frontier-era scientist who is also cowardly and a con man, um, but is ahead of his time. He's also, uh, he's involved in this time loop where someone from the TVA gives him a book about the TVA so that he will eventually become Kang and create the TVA. Time travel, man. It's, it's wacky. Um, but again, I just want to talk about Majors as an actor in this, uh, in this show. I don't want to get into you know, what kind of person he is because I don't know that. Uh, but he in this, uh, Victor Timely, again, the, the Wild West era scientist... It's it's inc- it's kind of incredible, right? Because Majors has to play different versions of essentially the same character, but give them their own mannerisms that make them feel different. Like Timely has a stutter, and you know he repeats a lot of things. He's a again he's a bit cowardly, a bit on the timid side, but he's also convinced that he's meant for greater things. You know he, he's. When Timely is on the side of the heroes and he's getting along with the protagonist characters, it's kind of charming. It's kind of really nice to see them get along. Um, but at the same time, when Majors portrays he who remains, who's like, you know, the Time Lord that created the TVA, uh, he was in the first season towards the end. And in this season, he's actually, he's he's in most of the end. So that's kind of a fun little time parallel but his version of he who remains hwr he he's a lot more grandos he he's he's chewing the scenery he's doing he's waving his hands um he's doing dramatic pauses not because he's trying to find the words but because he wants to like it's just the way that he talks it's it's all about presentation for him um you get the idea that he's a little crazy so um, it's really impressive being able to... And, and then, of course, like, Major's version of Kang from Quantumanium is different from these two. So, 
you know, I understand it's it's going to be hard if they do replace majors to get someone who can carry out multiple roles that way. Um, but as it stands, I think this is, you know, he does a great job as these characters. I think the way Timely was used in the season was, uh, was pretty good. I enjoyed him being kind of passed off between, like, the villain side, but then the villains betray each other, and then he's on the hero side, but then the villains take him back, you know? Um, I think it's all very good. I think the, the, like, connective tissue of him and he who remains is interesting because Ravona and Miss Minutes basically want to take Victor so that he can be the new he who remains because they're trying to replace him with a version of himself thinking that that's going to fix all their problems. And then at the same time, uh, Sylvie wants to kill Victor Timely because she thinks, oh, he's just he who remains. He's just some version of him, and every version of him is bad, so he has to die. He's not a separate person. He's this person that I hate and I already killed. And that's kind of interesting, too, right? Um, but yeah, no, he, he's, he's used to good effect here. And despite what the situation is going to be with Kang going forward... It kind of seems that the TVA is just focusing on that. It's just focusing on keeping more Kangs away from messing with the timeline. Um, so we'll see if that's carried through in other appearances. Okay, and then the the man of the hour himself, Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Um, let's get the obvious out of the way. Brilliantly performed. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston has been bringing his gay game for Loki for a very long time. This is a character he's comfortable with. This is a character that he can pull some range with. And, yeah, I don't know. He's just the most convincing character in the show. And and he should be for as long as he's been playing this character. And he's, again, despite being the villain and not being an Avenger, it's like the characters from the original Avengers movie carry such weight to them uh, that Loki himself kind of gets pulled into that too. I mean, Nick Fury too. Right? Like, any sort of ancillary characters are kind of pulled into that mold, too. Where it's like, watching the history of these characters really gives you a scope on how much development that they have been through. Um, this Loki in particular is, is more true to that, because he literally went from Avengers to Loki Season 1. And <laughs> now, this season. Um, but, like, you know, speaking of what happens to him in this season, it's it's all done very well, right? There's a whole thing with time skipping. Uh, eventually he gets a handle on it, and by episode six, he's using his time skipping to, excuse me, sort of Groundhog, Groundhog's Day, I guess is the best comparison. Or um, I think of it as like the, the, the reset button from Rick and Morty, um, which makes sense because a Rick and Morty writer writes for the show. Um, but in, like, episode six, he gets a handle on the time slipping to the point where he can reset the scenario. And every time the scenario fails, he can go back and prevent what happened from, like, whatever go went wrong from happening, right? Whether it's something as, as big as, like, oh, he, you know, you're supposed to press this red button and divide energy over here. To something as minor as, like, hey, don't put down the device because it's going to fall off and then we're going to be screwed. Um... And that's done very well. And the way that he gets to that point where he can control the time skipping, uh, where he's lost in the sacred timeline, he has to regroup everybody, 
and then that doesn't work, then time's falling apart, like, all of that's really good. Like, the way he gets control over it, the way that he uses it, it's all very good, it has purpose, it has a glorious purpose, <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, and even the, even the, like, really Loki-esque Loki stuff, like, mid-season, where he's using his Loki powers to catch Hunter B5, or, sorry, X5, um, so, okay, this, this is as much a cool thing as it is a problem with Loki, so, they say that in the TVA there's no magic, right? Which is carried through. There is no magic in the TVA. So when you get the bits where he's not in the TVA, he gets to use his magic and he, he does some cool stuff. He does stuff that would make Loki so overpowered if most of the show wasn't in the TVA. Right? Because in in this season, he creates like shadow duplicates that can affect the real world. Uh, he, he teleports a person like, 10 yards, not 10 yards, I don't know, like, 50 feet, he teleports someone, like, 50 feet away, um, and he's, and that, ugh, that's kind of gross to me, too, like, like, here's the thing, this is a very specific circumstance, but it bugged the fuck out of me, right, so, in, like, episode, uh, I want to say, two or three, um, Loki's trying to get Victor Timely, like, to safety, and he's stuck in a Ferris wheel. It's like a gondola Ferris wheel. Like a lot of people can fit in there and stand and stuff. He's in a Ferris wheel with Timely and Sylvie, and Sylvie just wants to kill Timely because she's an idiot. And Loki is trying to protect Timely and get him to safety. In that same episode, Loki saw an animal cage, and then when he had a confrontation with a dude inside of a, a parlor this dude, like, he used his powers to teleport that dude into the animal cage. So, when he's in the gondola Ferris wheel situation with Sylvie and Timely, all I can think is, why are you not teleporting Timely to wherever Mobius is? Or to the base of the Ferris wheel? Or, you know, anywhere else (laughs) that isn't there so that Sylvie won't kill him? Um, I'm guessing because he just wants to talk to Sylvie down. Because he just wants Sylvie to get with the program and, like, and like hold his hand and stuff. Like, that's what he wants. He doesn't want to have to fight her, you know? Um, which is also shown in episode six where he has to fight her over and over again. Um, but, yeah, Loki... Loki gets a lot... To, I don't know. I was going to say he gets a lot done. The, the thing is, all right, this character is very well portrayed... But, like, there's so much going on in this season. It's it's almost not even about him. You know, season one did this thing where it was like, oh, no, Loki's in every universe. They always fail, you know. And, and actually, the main, you know, bad guy that the TVA is looking for is actually a, Lo- a Loki. And the whole reason this Loki is being saved is so he can be used to catch the other Loki. And, hey, by the end of the season, there's a whole gaggle of Lokis at the end of, of time. And one of them's old, and one of them's an alligator, and one of them's a child. And <laughs> and one of them has a fake infinity gauntlet. And one of one of them uh, is dressed like a politician. 
Uh, and he isn't the main Loki, but you better be sure we're going to use him on all the promotional material for this show. So, so there's that. <laughs> um, and like, again, I didn't need the, the show to overdo it on nostalgia, like not nostalgia, but like cameos. I, I appreciate there wasn't a lot of cameo stuff. Um, and I appreciate it wasn't all about Loki being important to everything always everywhere, you know, but I don't know, man. I don't know what the show is trying to say about Loki up until the last point, you know? Um, cause that's what I'm always trying to figure out with these shows is like, okay, I, I get that. It's like this timeline thing is going to explode and ruin everything, but like, what are we talking about here? You know, what are we actually trying to talk about? And like the topic of free will and choice and all that, that's, that's definitely the theme here. But you really, you really don't feel that until like the very end, right? Because the end of this, and it's a, it's a good ending. A lot of these MCU shows kind of flub the ending, but this is a pretty good one. Basically, Loki asks for the advice, asks for advice, kind of from he he, uh, kind of from he who from who remains, but he mainly gets advice from Sylvie, and he and he get, mainly gets advice from Mobius, and the conclusion that Loki comes to is that like. No version of events is going to make it so these timelines don't collapse and ruin everything. And, like... Okay, so... One lane is... Loki has to sacrifice himself to fix the problem. He can't have what he wants without losing something. And in this case... He loses himself. He loses the chance to be with the people he wants to be with. And on, on the other side of the road, right in the right lane, in the right lane, Loki walks out into, into I guess, nothingness and grabs all of these threads, all these roots, that represent different timelines. And... He disconnects, disconnects them so that the sacred timeline is safe and he uses himself to build a, a web or a tree, I guess, of different timelines. So he's able to save the multiverse by disconnecting it from the sacred timeline. And it kind of comes down to a line that I fixated on from this season where Loki's trying to get Obi's help. And Obi... It's an Obi from the main timeline, so he doesn't know anything about what Loki's talking about with the TVA and stuff like that. But he's talking to Obi, and Obi says, well, maybe... Well, it sounds like a science fiction book. And he's like, maybe it's not a science problem, maybe it's a fiction problem. And... I think that that might be another element to this show that you're supposed to be aware of, right? Is the matter of, like, yes, this show is about science, but it's also about fiction. It's, you know, about timelines and multiverses and, you know, possibilities and stuff like that. But it's also about stories and fiction and, and how these things are supposed to go narratively. Loki has always been told that he's the one that loses. He's the villain. He's the bad guy in the story. And 
against impossible odds, when the chips are down, he's the only one that can save all of reality, he still loses because narratively that's what's supposed to happen. You know, it's it's kind of metatextual in that way where it's like he thinks he's he's going to succeed, right? Because he's, he's doing everything he should be doing. He's he's rerunning the the time scenario over and over again, but it still doesn't work. It It's impossible. And it's impossible because, A, it's a science that literally no one can understand. And, like, like if, if, if he were someone, if he were Thor, it would have worked, you know? And I'm not saying that scientifically, I'm saying it's fictionally, that's how, like, like it isn't a science problem. It is a fiction problem. Because the person who's trying to save the day and get their way is Loki, and Loki never gets his way. So the only way for Loki to succeed is if he fails at the same time. He succeeds in saving the sacred timeline. He succeeds in saving the multiverse. He succeeds in saving his friends. But he still fails because he's stuck. Like, he he banished himself to this point of solitude, his own personal prison, so that everyone else can be happy. And that's really good. <laughs> that's really good. Again, I'm very shaky on the Loki show in general. I've been very shaky in the show up to that point. I was like, what are we doing? What's the point of this? But, like, that last episode saved it for me in a lot of ways. Um, I just really like that, that narrative fiction-focused dilemma of, like, no, but I'm doing everything right. Why is why is nothing working? Well, it's because you're the bad guy. You're not supposed to win. Like, I think that's really good. And I think that kind of gets back to the core of what this show is about, should have been about, was always about. And it's like, we're giving a villain a movie, or a show, sorry. We're giving the story to a villain. How do you end it with a villain succeeding? You know? And I think that's done very good. And, like... If anything, I wish it became more clear um, up until that point. But, I mean, maybe it was, or maybe it was just subtle, and and it it wasn't supposed to be obvious. So, what is next for Loki? Are we going to get a season three? Or, you know, (laughs) is season three going to just be him stuck as a tree the whole time? Because now that's what he is, right? He, at least from what I've seen online, the costume and the position he's taking is that of Loki, the god of stories, which is a role he's taken in the comics. Um, but he's also a tree now, I guess. <laughs> um, I think this will be one of those things where he'll be brought up later, right? Like when the Kang dynasty stuff starts happening, uh, you know, they'll need help from like a multi- the heroes will need help in some multiversal way, and they'll go to Loki. And like, Maybe Loki will be involved. Maybe, you know... Or maybe Loki will be attacked. And he'll be killed again. Oh my god, can you imagine? Um, but the fact that he's holding all these timelines... I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll just be like the gateway character. You know? Where like... Captain America and Thor and the rest of them are like... We need more help from throughout the multiverse. How do we access the multiverse? I know. We'll go to Loki, the god of stories. You know, 
That's probably what they'll end up doing, right? Kang will get involved. Sam Wilson and the Avengers will end up meeting Mobius, and Mobius will be like, you know, there's actually someone we can go to who actually could help us get more help. And they go to Loki. I think that's probably what they'll end up doing. Um, yeah, all of this is really infringent on Kang stuff, you know? Uh, I really can't see Sylvie or Mobius pop, pop, uh, sorry, popping up when, like, Red Hulk shows up in the next Captain America movie or anything. Uh, I really can't see a, another Skrull invasion happening only to be stopped by, uh, Ravona Renslayer or something. But, I mean, I guess that's the way it's supposed to be. This Loki stuff has always sort of felt kind of in its own corner, um, under the surface, you know, behind the layer, you might say. I don't know. I don't know. Again, this is, this, like, the show, it's in a pocket now, you know, where the next time we do Kang or the next time we do multiverse stuff, we can pull the, I mean, here's the thing. The next time we do multiverse stuff, we probably won't use the TVA because No Way Home didn't use the TVA. Multiverse of Madness didn't use the TVA. Uh, What If didn't use the TVA. Even like, I don't know, Into the Spider-Verse, there was never like a Spider-Man wearing a TVA uniform or anything. So I'm just sort of guessing that the multiverse is so mass, like, uh, sorry, yeah, massive, that it's kind of like, oh, yeah, no, the TVA is there, but they're not the only elements that's part of this. I guess that's the trouble when you do multiverses, especially when you have so many of them that are conflicting with each other. Like, like, what what is the multi, what is the TVA doing, about like, the the universe that, um, fucking, Charles Xavier is living in, with like, Sharon Carter, Captain America, like what, Captain Britain, sorry, like what's the TVA doing about that timeline, you know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the TVA will be in Deadpool 3. Because that's going to have multiverse stuff in it too. Like, I think that's what they should have been doing since Loki Season 1. And maybe they will now because the TVA has kind of a new status quo. But like, I know Mobius took time off. So maybe it would be OB. I'm trying to imagine who's going to be the face of the TVA going forward. Maybe Kaser. Uh, Kaser. Maybe Casey, maybe Miss Minutes, that'd be kind of fun, right? If you're watching, like, uh, Deadpool 3, and Miss Minutes keeps showing up, and Deadpool's like, no, get out of here, get out of here, shoot, shoot, scary penny monster, get out of here. Maybe that's what they'll do. That'd be fun. Um, yeah, man, my grade was always, uh, it's up to you. Uh, I, I definitely think that if you like Loki, if you've seen season one, you definitely want to see this. Um, but, you know, generally, I'd, I don't know. Part of me wants to recommend it, um, but if the concept is a bit too big, if you need something a bit more down-to-earth, I can understand. Like, between this and the Marvels and, uh, I don't know what else came out recently in the MCU, um, I don't know. Like, between this, I guess Quantumania, right? A lot of the stuff that's coming out is leaning more into the fantastical, the more out there, and the stuff that could be considered street level 
or just more down to earth. A lot of that stuff's getting blended out. I mean, you got a little bit of that in the beginning of Into the Spider Verse, but like, is it Into the Spider Verse or Across the Spider Verse? The second one is what I mean. The second one has a little bit of street level stuff at the beginning, but like, that's kind of what I'm getting to is like a lot of these Marvel movies. Not so much with DC because I feel like Blue Beetle was was fairly down to earth, but a lot of these Marvel movies are are going a little big, right? It, it wouldn't hurt to have a down-to-earth personal story. Um, again, I, I'm going to review the Marvels later, but that does a bit of a better job at having a bit more of a, a grounded story in terms of how characters are acting. But, I don't know, man. Days like this, it's like... I, I know people have mixed emotions about She-Hulk, but the, the thing I loved about She-Hulk was that it was down-to-earth. And it, I, it didn't force me to expand my brain to understand anything um but at the same time if you are a fan of science fiction you're gonna you're gonna like loki and if you're someone like me that appreciates stories about stories i think you'll appreciate it even more so um with that being said uh this month and december november and december i'm gonna try to release uh two more reviews one for the Marvels, and then one for Power Rangers Cosmic Fury, because I caught up on that. Um, and yeah, the, the year will be wrapped up. As always, um, you can follow me on Facebook. You can also follow me at Author Raphael Ayala on Facebook. That is my author Facebook page. It's where I sell my books. So if you're interested in reading something for the holidays, um, feel free to pick up any of my four books. I'm very proud of all four of them. I'm hoping to get them available on Kindle very soon, so hopefully that'll push the numbers too. But uh, with all that being said, I hope you guys are having a good holiday. Hope you have a good Thanksgiving if you celebrate it. Otherwise, you know, stay warm, stay out of the snow, and uh, stay healthy. Thank you all so much for always listening, and I'll catch you guys next time. Bye-bye.